Welcome, Red Sox fans. Here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome, everyone. The Bastards are back for this early week edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the Cleveland Indians, winning the series two games to one. It is their third straight series win. However, they do lose a game to the first place Tampa Bay Rays. The Red Sox are now eight games back and have a two-and-a-half game lead over the next wild card team which is the Oakland A's so the Red Sox still have that second spot quick disclaimer for any first time listeners this is not a homer podcast we call it how we see it when the Red Sox are dominating we will celebrate that when they are getting destroyed we will be critical and at times savagely blunt if you are easily offended press the stop button immediately But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can also find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Co-hosting with me tonight from the city of Westwood, Massachusetts, Jason Kelly. Oh. You know, I was having a really good day. I was having a really good day. Sox were up 2-0 in the series. Thought, okay, 4-0 lead at one point. I mean, after sitting through a three-hour rain delay. And then you sit through the three-hour rain delay only to have to sit through the Red Sox bullpen at the end just (laughs) peeing down their leg, as they always do. So kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth after the weekend. But I guess two out of three will take it at this point. Yeah, it's a series win, and it's annoying to lose a game to the Rays, who just don't seem to lose ever. They were just playing the Baltimore Orioles, but we'll have them next. So (laughs) four games (laughs) set, you know, in in the wildest of pipe dreams, maybe we can cut it down by four games, which (laughs) still seems like you know, an insurmountable gap at that point. I mean, if we were four games back right now, I'd still be like, eh, I don't, I don't know if we're going to do it, but, <laughs> but yeah. we are in the wild card and we can face the Yankees in one game and we've beaten them plenty this year. So, so we'll, we'll hope for that, but uh, yeah. So Red Sox Friday night, win that game. 4-3, to three, Eduardo Rodriguez on the mound. Saturday was another win, 5-3, to three, with Nathan Avaldi getting the start. And then today, Tanner Houck having one of the more wonkier pitching lines you'll ever see. We'll get to that later. Uh, actually left the game with the lead, but the Red Sox do end up dropping that one 7-5. So, blew the sweep, but... Like you said, a series win. Trying to chop down that Tampa Bay lead. But uh, on that note, attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Boston. Do we have a pew problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with the fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker. It's like having a little astronaut to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear. Get 20% off 
plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. And uh, that's probably the cleanest I've ever gotten through that. No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Smooth as silk. Yeah. Yeah. I... uh, if anybody listened to the last episodes, uh, which was deep dives, that was a struggle for me. I uh, I was getting lit up on the mount on that one. My command was off. Let's uh, let's put it that way. Yeah. And if you <laughs> haven't listened to that episode, it was a good one. We had a Kyle Schwarber versus JD Martinez debate. Which one should the Red Sox? prioritize if JD opts out and Kyle Schwarber declines his mutual option, both of which are almost certainly going to happen. So we got into a nice little debate and uh, you can hear that on the last episode. So getting into this series, Cleveland was a 500 team, a team that at face value, the Red Sox should have done at least what they ultimately did do with two out of three. So we will get into that. And since it was a series win, we will start on the studs side. So Jason, who do you have? My stud is J.D. Martinez. Um, And J.D. Martinez, rightfully so, has taken a lot of flack lately for his performance uh, or his lack of performance rather. Um, but look, he, you know, he only played in two games this series. He played on Saturday and today, and he was hugely productive in both games, five for nine. He had the game winning Homer on Saturday. I mean, that was one of the biggest plays of the series, three run bomb to the opposite field in extra innings, um, from a guy who hasn't been hitting a ton of home runs lately. So that was great to see today. A couple of hits RBI double, um, so this was good to see because J.D. Martinez has really struggled. Uh, the last 30 days, that batting average is going down. He's been hitting 245 the last month. That's not good enough for a guy in the middle of your lineup. And, look, he was red hot beginning of the season. But ever since really June, July, and especially after the trade deadline, he's cooled off significantly. And I'm not going to say that he's looking like the J.D. Martinez of 2020 because that was – an abomination. I mean, that was, he was legitimately one of the worst players in baseball in 2020. So he hasn't quite been that bad, but the strikeouts have gone up. He's not walking as much. He's not hitting for power as much. So this weekend to see him do that, to see him be productive, put the bat on the ball, drive in runs and be that middle of the order threat that you need him to be. That was great to see. And Hopefully he's waking up a little bit. Hopefully he realizes that, hey, Red Sox aren't out of this yet. They've got that second wild card spot. They're Right now they hold technically a playoff spot. I know they have to play their way in, but they are there, and they've got a huge series coming up against Tampa. So hopefully J.D. Martinez is awake, and this series this weekend kind of gave him a little bit of a spark, got him going a little bit because this Red Sox team, they're going to go as far as that middle of the order carries them. And if J.D. Martinez turns back into a pumpkin for the rest of the month, then forget about it. They're they're not going to make it. That certainly was a painful slump that he had coming into this series, and that's what led to the day off on Friday, like you said. And it just seems like at times he just has a, a Jackie Bradley type slump where it's briefer but he's just completely lost at the plate and I don't know if it's his pitch recognition where he just completely guesses wrong and so yeah so he snapped out of it with with some late inning heroics and we were behind so that was you know that was an absolutely clutch home run kind of like what we're used to with him in years past the night before same thing Jonathan Arauz <laughs> just crushed out of one. nowhere yeah and and that at bat there were runners on first and second with Arauz and he gave two of the worst bun attempts I've ever seen 
And then a pitch or two later in the same at bat just crushes one. So that went from looking like the worst at bat ever to becoming one of the best because yeah, those two bunt attempts were horrendous. And then it was just like, well, you've got to swing away with two strikes and he nailed it. So kind of an unbelievable turnaround. Yeah, absolutely. So Charlie's MIA and he's uh, trying to get in. Uh, so I, I forgot to say that he was MIA in the, in the intro, but just, uh, sending him a quick text. Apparently he was having some Wi-Fi issues, yeah. but, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, a pretty, a pretty good, um, Pretty good stud there because we don't we don't win that game. Here he is. We don't win game one without without JD Martinez. So the tardy Charlie Smith is with us now, and uh, no audio coming from him though. Don't know if he's on mute. So Charlie, go ahead. I mean, if if you can get your audio, go ahead with your stud for the series. That's where we're at. Can you hear me right now? Yep. Go ahead. So Rafael Devers was the stud for me. He absolutely saved his weekend with his performance in Game Three. Um, originally, I was leaning in a different area, but Devers has been my go-to for uh, most of this year. There have been a couple people that. Um, I think in this series, I, I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be Hauk in this series and started off great, um, for the lack of a better term. There are a couple things that could have gone better that unfortunately didn't at the end, didn't work out. Um, but I don't think all those runs coming around were his fault. Uh, Devers just absolutely cracked it. Um, had two solo home runs today. The second was an, was an absolute bomb. So I'm leaning... Uh, I'm leaning with this guy to be your absolute hero for the rest of the year, too. Um, of the players that have kind of figured it out from your stars and whatnot, Devers seems to be the only one that has been consistent and found himself with somewhat uh, with some regularity. JD's still missing in action. He still had a game here or there, but, dude, Devers all the way. Yeah, he's definitely been a lot more consistent than Martinez, though Martinez had a, as we were just covering, had a pretty good series. Yeah, Jason, thoughts on Devers? Yeah, uh, the two bombs today were fantastic, and he's he's your big power bat now, so that's what he's got to do. Um, what he can't do is go into these slumps where he seemingly disappears and looks lost at the plate, kind of like what we were talking about with JD. It's like, you know, some of these guys, they just they they get red hot and they're the best hitter in baseball for like a two or three week stretch. And then they just go through a stretch where they look lost. And kind of like you said, it's like they look like Jackie Bradley all of a sudden. It's like that can't happen or at least it can't happen all at once. And that was kind of what was going on with this offense. It was like if Devers is off, but Martinez and Bogarts are hitting the crap out of the ball, then you sort of go, OK, whatever. But if Devers and Martinez are lost and Bogarts is, you know, getting a day off every other day because that's what he does, then the offense really struggles. So Devers has got to be your big time power bat, left hander, you know, clutch late, all of that going forward. Um, he's as important as JD has. He's just as important as Xander. That middle of your order has to carry this offense through the rest of the year because I'm sorry. You're not going to get uh, Bobby Bobby Dahlbeck going off against, you know, good teams going forward. He only goes off against the bad teams. So you're going to need those guys. And it's too bad that this team's set up that we have to rely so heavily on our big three, Devers, Martinez, and Bogarts, and, because that's just not sustainable. You need, nope. you need supporting cast members around them. So hopefully mm -hmm. next year that will be the case. With Devers, though, 32 home runs on the year, 94 RBIs. If he has a smoking hot September, and we've got a fairly weak schedule for September. We got the Rays once or twice in there, Yankees once or twice. But for the most part, it's it's certainly easier than August and July. But, but if he is smoking hot in the month of September, he's got a chance for 
probably 42 to 45 uh, home runs and then maybe 120 ribbies. And last I checked, I'm not going to pull it up now, I think it was coming into this series, he was leading the league in doubles. So if Shohei Otani wasn't out of his mind right now in every aspect of the game, Devers would have a hell of a shot at it. I haven't looked at Vladimir's numbers, but he's he has to be up there. But Devers continues to be impressive nonetheless. So, T, when you're looking at all of the players that have kind of um, – it used to be like a two, two-pony race. It was Vlad uh, Jr. or Shohei Otani. The Chicago White Sox have their first baseman right back in the mix of things too because he feels – or I think he's been forgotten. Uh, Abreu – just has blown up because at one point I was like, oh, wow, Devers, you know, when he had his uh, home run and cracked 30, I was like, all right, cool. Wait, he's not leading the league in RBIs? I thought he was. Who's ahead of him? Jose Abreu has quietly put together another fantastic season. Hmm. We have four it's, – it's four people that are gunning for it, but I still don't know how you don't give it to either Vlad or Shohei Hodani. Um at least right now, I, I, if if Rafael Devers has 120 RBIs, then you you have to at least consider his name in there. But I don't know how he's going to be able. Uh, that means that he's going to have to have over 20 RBIs in the month of September, which of course is possible. But that's also assuming that he's going to go back to old Rafi Devers that was basically crashing it and cracking it for the beginning of the year. And I I, I want to temper expectations because. We had three people going off when he was going off. And right now, so far, it's like one and a half are going off. I don't think he's going to quite hit 120. I think it's it's safe to say probably like 113, 115. With 120 is like a real sweet stretch goal. So I, I always, when it comes to like MVP races, especially with a month left to go, Vegas is always a good place to look to see what what's, they're sort of looking at. And they've got it as Otani and Guerrero 1-2. And then it tied for third, everywhere you look, it's Marcus Simeon, Matt Olson, Rafael Devers. So Devers is in there. He, he's in the discussion. And if he keeps getting red hot and keeps hitting for power, he's right up there. He, he's number two and in, in runs batted in, like Charlie said, but he's all the way down to 14th with OPS, so that, that's a little surprising. Bryce Harper is number one, believe it or not. So, But but Guerrero seems to be just about top three or top five in just about every category. And then with Shohei, you, have to, you can't ignore the pitching. I mean, he's just been so good. He'd be the Red Sox ace, basically. You know, just based on his numbers on paper. So, yeah, Shohei's going to get it, and I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, some honorable mentions to get to. No one else really stood out. Uh, Schwarber had a good game, too, but that was about it. Struck out three times today in the finale. Charlie, you're not on mute. Um, all good. And uh, 0 for 4 in game one, but still kind of, uh, you know, a, a presence at that top of the order that we desperately needed all season. As far as pitching goes, Eduardo Rodriguez, after coming off a terrible start in his last outing in which Cora ripped into him in the post game, <laughs> came out in his start in game one with the Indians Seven innings pitch, did give up eight hits, but three earned runs. One of those was in the seventh inning. He gave up a solo. Weirdly, though, only two strikeouts, but was was managing to get uh, all kinds of contact outs. Nathan Avaldi, his normal stellar self, uh, five and one-thirds innings pitched, gave up two runs. Both of those were in the second inning. One of them was on a solo shot by Franmil Reyes, Evoldi doesn't give up too many home runs, but he did give up a solo there. But by and large, a, a very stellar outing. Garrett Whitlock had a, a clean inning of relief uh, where he struck out two. 
Alex Cora pulled him in the next inning rather than let him uh, try to close the game out, and Martin Perez proceeded to load the bases. So wasn't impressed there. Tanner Houck, I don't know if he should be a stud or, or, or a dud or honorable or dishonorable, I should say. Five and one-thirds, that's the furthest he's gone, I think, all season, certainly since he's uh, been back from his elbow issues. Only gave up one hit, but he walked four batters, hit two more, and uh, only struck out three. So, I mean, he left with a lead, and if Taylor could have, could have got out of that the last two-thirds of that inning he only would have given up uh, one or two runs how but go ahead charlie what was it that you wanted him to go at least with flawecki what was your request i said at least one at least yeah before the start of the game what charlie's talking about i had a tweet on the bastards underscore boston account which everybody should follow if if you haven't already and I said in the tweet, basically, that Kevin Ploiecki will probably be best remembered as a good laundry cart pusher than he will be for gunning down runners at second base. And then I said, however, how can't seem to get through five innings with Christian Vasquez catching him, so why not Ploiecki? And then, I don't know, 30 or 60 minutes later, Ploiecki ended up uh, being on the lineup card as the catcher, but I don't think it made a bit of a difference. Hauk was just all over the place. Do you think it was the team figuring it out? Or do you think it was just him just losing it? Like exhaustion set in because he didn't have control. I mean, I had been getting little updates cause I couldn't watch the first half of this game here uh, from my good old dad. Uh, and he made it seem like Hauk is throwing an absolute gem. No hits, no runs, no nothing, no problems. Uh, and then when I spoke to you, you caught me up to, you know, up to date with all the information. And uh, it, it didn't seem like I was getting the full the full picture. Um, I, I still think that once he gets stretched out a little bit more and he has the ability to go 75, 85 pitches on a consistent basis, I think that this is going to end in a different way because as you pulled him at five innings we wouldn't be talking about him not doing that great yeah the control would have been an issue but it would have been like um do you guys remember when edwin jackson threw a no hitter but he walked nine guys and he threw like 137 <laughs> pitches yeah it was like that like that was the the impression i was getting and i was able to watch some of the highlights after um and it just if he could throw 140 pitches in a game yeah, I could totally see him walking 10 and, you know, striking out six people and allowing no hits. I think it's a longevity issue. If he was if he had the the ability to go the distance, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be as concerned because this is still someone who I have penciled in the rotation for next season. I, I may not be the only one, but I know there are some naysayers that think this guy doesn't belong there. Jason yeah, it, it was kind of disappointing to see Hauk not quite make it all the way through and, and have just a clean start, which is really what he needs because we're all kind of rooting for him to be future rotation piece, guy you can build around, all of that. And it's just kind of the same old story. It's like, okay, once we get later into the game, third time through the order, whatever it is, it's just not quite there. And it wasn't so much that it all happened then. He, I think all day he was kind of just up and down. You know, like you said, too many walks, walking four guys, you know, just because you're not getting tagged with contact doesn't mean that you're pitching well. Um, when your control is not good and you're walking guys, that's a problem. You know, that's like Garrett Richards-esque. So uh, we, we don't want that. So Hauk's got to figure it out here because his spot in the rotation is certainly not guaranteed. Um, I think the Red Sox organization still has a lot of doubts about him. I'm not sure they fully trust him yet. I don't think Cora trusts him. Um, so he needs to have cleaner starts going forward. If he's going to be a future piece, you know, forget this year, because even if you make the playoffs, he's not going to be a guy that I think gets in there. He'll be sort of the odd man out. Um, you only really need three or four starters in the playoffs, but for 2022, if he wants to be in that rotation, he needs to have much more cleaner, more professional starts than this. 
Yeah, hopefully it's just a, a matter of, you know, having better command and mixing his pitches a little bit better. I mean, he's got a couple of different fastballs, a slider and, and a split finger. So probably you, you would hope that throughout the winter they'll they'll really focus on that and and get him in. I mean, the Red Sox haven't developed a starting pitcher, as we've said, since either Lester or Buckholtz, which whichever way you want to go. And and so he's this close. Like he is so close to being a bona fide starting pitcher. You just hope they can they can dial him in and and just kind of smooth things out so that way he he will be reliable for at least five innings every fifth day. So We'll see how it goes. Getting over to the dud side of things, Jason, who's your dud for the series? So my dud or uh, duds, as I'm going to do this time around, I'm going to go a little more unconventional. I know we're only supposed to pick one person, but I'm going with uh, the tandem that I've dubbed Hansel and Gretel, um, Hansel Robles, Austin Davis. I know it's two guys, but I view them as one collective bag of suck. Um, and that's the collective bag of suck that your brilliant savants general manager decided to pick up at the trade deadline to help your struggling bullpen. Let's go get Hansel Robles, who the Minnesota Twins didn't want, um, and their bullpen sucks. And let's go get Austin Davis, who the Pittsburgh effing Pirates, who have nobody, didn't want. And now we see why. These guys blow. Like, the, these guys are so bad, and... The fact that this was the answer for, hey, we have a bullpen that's uh, getting a little taxed. Solid Moore is, you know, tacking up, racking up innings. Matt Barnes is racking up innings, and he's starting to break down. Um, Josh Taylor is racking up innings. And this is what Kyan Bloom went and got you. He went and got Hansel Robles and Austin Davis when he could have gotten guys like Ryan Tapera, who moved. He went to the White Sox. He's been great since he went to the White Sox. Like, there were other relievers on the market. In the middle of the market, too, by the way, that he could have gotten. Because here's the thing. I'm not saying that Kyan Bloom had to go and get Craig Kimbrell. That was a stupid trade by the White Sox. Moronic trade by the White Sox to give up Nick Madrigal for a Craig Kimbrell. You didn't have to go and get Kimbrell. You didn't have to go and get top-end relievers. You just had to get guys that can pitch in the 6th, 7th, or 8th inning. You didn't need a closer. You had a closer. Your closer is Matt Barnes. So that's fine. And granted, he's really fallen off lately, but you could have gotten someone who can pitch the eighth inning and, hey, if we need to spot Matt Barnes, he can slide in there. He can close a game. Instead, you got these two bums, these two hacks, these two slobs who go out there and pee down their leg every time they're on the mound. This is a joke. Like, I can't believe that we're still watching this, and I can't believe that no one is more angry about Ky at Kyle Bloom about this. It's like your bullpen needed help because I think we all agree going into the deadline that the rotation was okay, right? The rotation wasn't perfect, but you had Sale coming back in some capacity. I know he's going to be limited with pitch counts and everything, but he was coming back. Evaldi had been pitching pretty well. Pavetta had been pretty solid. And Eduardo is what he is, right? He's off some days. He's good other days. But you didn't have to go and spend or, you know, trade prospects for a starter. The rotation was fine. The bullpen clearly needed help. They did. And if if Kyan Bloom's whole excuse is, well, we didn't have to go and really get anybody because Ryan Brazier's coming back. Don't you know? Ryan Brazier. Yeah, Ryan Brazier. That's what we're going to rely on now. So Ryan Brazier, Hansel Robles, Austin Davis. That's what your general manager, your brilliant messiah general manager, decided that's what he's going to do for your bullpen. It's a joke. These guys suck. And now it's costing them games. Congratulations. They, it cost you a game today, a game that you should have won, but you lost because this is what you got for your bullpen. Thanks, Kaim. So um, I've never been a fan. I was pretty adamant uh, when they got Austin Davis. I was really upset because they got rid of the guy that I wanted to keep. So I haven't really been in his court at all like even for a moment and everyone would say oh but he's had five straight appearances he hasn't allowed a run and here we go like the next josh T stop stop right there 
I don't want to hear another damn word because this was the series that we really couldn't afford to see uh, one of these two have a bad streak. Austin Davis didn't have one bad performance. He had two in three games, just not getting it done. Um, although the first one wasn't bad, this this one in game three more than made up for it. Like, it's just, I, I don't trust them. Um, Hansel Robles has gotten rocked, not had a bad start, like a bad game. He's had really, really bad appearances, game-changing appearances. We're winning this game if it's not for these two clowns. So uh, Hansel and Gretel, I think that was, you were the first one out of the group to call them Hansel and Gretel uh, on Twitter. But yeah, I, I just, I don't feel good about it. They've They've been better, but better doesn't mean consistent because when you're still having bad games regularly, you're consistently bad. It's like, uh, oh my God, pure bliss. I forgot his name for about two and a half seconds, Matt Hall. Like it just, it, it reminds me of that when I see your name coming in. I don't feel good. It's like Matt Barnes closing out games. I don't feel very warm and fuzzy. I don't feel very good. It's like deciding to drive blindfolded. It's not safe. I wouldn't recommend it. And that's kind of how I feel. One of these two clowns is in your uh, is coming into the game. I we we could have swept. We didn't. Well, today's loss I'm putting squarely on Austin Davis. He had two outs. He was cruising through that inning with you know through two outs couldn't get that final one four straight hits were given up after that and then i think he gave up actually three of those hits and then barnes came in and gave up a hit which led to uh you know runs being charged to davis i'll say this though i have no confidence whatsoever in hansel robles he had one good year that was 2019 he's otherwise sucked Every year on every team he's been with, there's no reason to think it's going to be any different with the Red Sox. Davis, I'm not super high on him, but I think he might be a little bit more salvageable, if not this year, maybe into next year. I I think he's probably going to be in the bullpen to at least start next season. He was quietly on a pretty good run coming into today. He hadn't given up uh, an earned run, uh, earned or unearned run, I should say, since August 12th. So that was six straight appearances not having given up a run. He hadn't given up a walk in those straight uh, in those appearances either. And on August 20th, he gave up two hits, labored a little bit, but nobody came in to score. So. He was on a pretty decent run until today and then just fell asleep with with two outs uh, in the inning to, to try to get that final one, and and the Red Sox didn't sweep. I'll also say this. I think Matt Barnes was going to close the game out no matter what, so he, he could have he blown it anyway, but there was just nobody else to go to. Everyone else, you know, was taxed, so... So... This is... This is, this is the problem, and I apologize for cutting you off. It's okay. Austin Davis has never been good. Like, you give him more than five to ten innings for a season, you will be disappointed. You will be disappointed. It's not a guess. I don't trust Austin Davis. I haven't. And I just – I can't believe this is what we're we, – we got him because we needed a left-handed pitcher is the story we're being told. So you gave up on Michael Chavis for this? I just, oh God, it, it it's literally the the mentality. The, what I think about is when I when I think about that that show that we all had, and I mentioned, you know, what player would you want for the Red Sox to get? And I said Brian McMahon, and you said, ugh, that's like that every <laughs> single time I see this guy's name in there. I don't, I don't like it. Like this bullpen, I'm not happy with. I'm I'm not satisfied i'm not content they don't move the needle they don't i don't have confidence with this bullpen in in the stretch say the red sox make the playoffs i don't see it happening say they do do you trust any of these fools i don't i think 
there are certain alignments that can be okay. Uh, none of them would include Davis or Robles in high leverage. I'll say this, though, about Davis. I'm just curious to see what he'll do on our program. I'm not super high on him, but, I mean, if it keeps Austin Bryce down in Pawtucket, just to try to tinker with Austin Davis a little bit, then then that's fine with me. But we are getting help soon. Alex Cora didn't seem to give a post-game presser. I was looking through the the beat writers' tweets, and there's nothing after the you know the game being final. So I'm assuming where there was a delay, they quickly beelined it to the charter flight to head down to Tampa, where the uh, Rays will uh, series will happen. But but. I was hoping they would have asked when's Brazier going to be back because I think it could be any day now. I know Jason not super excited, but <laughs> if it keeps Davis and Robles down, I'll I'll take a look at Ryan Brazier at this point. And Darwin's and Hernandez too, I think should be back at some point this week. So so when you factor in those guys and then maybe Whitlock being the closer, he did he did pitch the ninth the other night. So I, I don't know if that was just that one time out or if maybe Cora might be looking at that as as his most viable option now. Well, I guess we'll find out a lot more in the Tampa series. But but uh, there's another guy, too. He's, he's, he's not a popular name on this podcast, but he's been pitching so good. So good. His, uh, his initials are GR, just to appease Charlie. Charlie just can't handle the name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's so I, I think he's gonna be getting some high leverage, at least in the seventh inning, and uh while the rest of the bullpen sorts its way out. But Charlie, go ahead. You're dud for the series. Easiest one for me, uh one of the easiest ones of this year, and that's Xander. Two for thirteen, half year at bats or strikeouts. You just didn't do it. You didn't do your job. And uh when people keep asking or at least Posing the question, who do you prioritize as your offseason slash priority signing moving forward? Xander's still going to be in Boston next year anyways. Uh, he can opt out after 2022. He's getting paid. It's like the, I think it's the $20 million deal that he's getting annually for the next couple of years. I don't see him extending. I, I see him opting out. I see him opting out because he signed a team-friendly deal, and that's fine. But when your team needs you the most – and you're not getting it done offensively, I, I want no part in it. I don't want the team to prioritize you as the major bat. I want the team to prioritize Rafael Devers. Xander Bogarts is not the guy for me. And I have not been too thrilled with X ever since his comments that he made. And I will call him out for it. But easiest dud for me. Two for 13. Nope. And th- I know he's had some some minor injuries in the last several weeks, but those comments he made about his extension on him likely opting out or, or wanting a much bigger deal from the Red Sox, that was also a turning point as well. He hasn't been the same since, but nope. Jason, your thoughts on Bogarts? Yeah, this is a tough one for me because I really do like Xander Bogarts and I view him as a cornerstone piece of this franchise. I think it's like, him and Devers are the two cornerstones that you build the rest of this team around. That being said, I agree with Charlie and I agree with you, Terry. I was not thrilled with those comments that he made. I thought, first of all, like there's no reason to say that in the middle of the season. Um, that's something you say in the off season. That's, that's something you say, you know, when you, your team is not in the middle of a pennant race. Um, and that coupled with sort of, this weekend, the way that he played, you know, like you said, two for 13, just he was non-existent. Um, this is why I tell people it, Xander Bogarts cannot be the face of this franchise as much as I want him to be. But he can't. He's he's not a vocal leader and he's not really a leader on the field because he takes days off, not just literally, but even when he's in the lineup, he'll he'll take days off. He just, you know, he'll go oh for and and you won't even notice him. Um and that's that's not good. And I know that a lot of people say, well, it's just his personality. He's not he's not Dustin Pedroia. He's not going to dive headfirst for every ball and he's not going to, you know, go out there, you know, grunting and, you know, whatever. Like he's not going to be expressive. That's fine. But like 
it's really hard to have that type of personality and then disappear for games and weeks at a time um, and still want to be, you know, a franchise shortstop. It just doesn't add up. So, you know, he, he was invisible this series um, for a guy who wants to be paid top dollar for a guy who wants to be treated as a franchise shortstop. He's not playing like one and he's not acting like one. So he needs to wake up big time. So here's the another reason why it drives me nuts is when you look at Xander Bogarts, you look at quality body of work. You want to look at someone defensively. You want to look at someone offensively. You're getting paid $20 million. This is someone who has 40 hits in the last two months. So 20 hits on average. Okay. And what about the damage? Like, what are we looking at? What are we getting? He's had nine doubles, seven homers, 21 RBIs. That's numbers that you could sometimes see from someone in a month, like a really crazy month. You're hitting 240 in the last two months. You're hitting over 320 the month before. That was like 330 or something. 347, excuse me. He had 34 hits in that month alone. So you're matching one month's output with the last two. You can't afford to have that from your leader. Your comments be damned. Even if that wasn't the issue, there are still so many glaring holes. You're going to create another distraction for your team? That's selfish. And I get it. You have to be selfish. This is a business. You, you have to product. You, you have to um, you know, market the number one important thing in your life as the player, yourself. And I get it. But you can't be upset when people get on you because you decide to make it all about you. I don't I'm I'm not a Xander fan and I don't a lot of people are, but I've been against it ever since that moment and I will I will call it out every single time. You can't go from being one of the, you know, the best shortstops in all of baseball to what you're doing right now. That's if you continue to give us that level of consistency, I'm sorry, I'm moving on from you. And there are other options, a lot less expensive, that could probably give us what you are giving us right now. So I don't need you. Bogarts in the last two series is three for 22. So getting absolutely killed there, just barely hitting 100 over the last uh, two series. Since the All-Star break, he's only had five home runs, driven in 18 uh, runs batted in. So those he he's sinking like a rock, and he was looking like he was going to be a top five or six MVP guy based on his first half. He's not even going to finish in the top ten at this point. I was just looking through all the major categories. The only one he is currently top ten in, he's like tied for seventh in doubles. But OPS, home runs, runs batted in, batting average, Hits all across the board. He's not in the top 10. So it's just crazy how he's just had this kind of fall from grace this season, uh, the second half of the season, I mean. So he's got to get it together if this team is going to hang on to that that second wild card spot. Maybe, maybe even take the first wild card seed away from the Yankees. It has to be with a with a productive Xander Bogarts and and not what he's giving us right now. So, Terry, Terry you brought up a really good point, and this is the thing. During the course of this entire season, uh, he hasn't gone this many straight games without having a home run, having an RBI, scoring a run. Two straight series, no runs, no home runs, no RBIs. You're giving us <laughs> on the flip side. There's another player who I haven't really been a fan of who has been performing over the last series-ish and a half, two series. It's like they switched. It's like they unzipped each other, like the skin, and then jumped into each other's bodies, and then that's basically what's been going on. You see Bobby D hitting home runs and knocking people in, and Xander Bogart's just doing what he's just been doing. It's it's a weird feeling. It's weird for me to actually be talking positively about someone I wanted gone. <laughs> it hurts. Yeah, I uh, I typically do an eye roll every time Bobby D hits a home run, but I I will say this for Bobby, and he was two for six in the series uh, with a home run. If he if you're gonna tell me right now he'll face lefties only, 
like they did with Mitch Moreland in 2020, I can sort of live with that. Ideally, I'd rather just have an everyday first baseman who can mash righties, lefties, and and what have you. So we'll we'll see what happens. But I'm kind of hoping with all this success he's had, uh, albeit as Jason said against bad teams, I'm just hoping that's boosting his trade value for next year. <laughs> go go get Mitch Moreland on a one year deal, and you know we'll, we'll write it out that way. But some other dishonorables. Let's see. We basically went through all of them. Barnes only pitched that one third of an inning. Didn't look good. So we'll we'll see what happens. I can't imagine he's gonna find himself in the Tampa series. But Martin Perez also, like I said, loaded up the bases in that one inning. Uh, only managed to record one out. I'm assuming when Brazier or Darwin's in gets called up. Perez is the odd man out at that point. I, I think it makes the most sense to, to DFA him. If not him, maybe Robles. But but you got Garrett Richards who can essentially fill the role that, that you're hoping Perez would. And Darwin's in as well can go four, five, six outs if needed. So he's a semi-long guy as well. Salamora just can't stop walking people. He did get out of that inning. It was a bases loaded jam. And, but if there was a base hit, we probably lose game two, then we lose the series. So this is another guy who can't seem to get hitters to, to swing at that splitter. Cause it's, it's not a strike. So they're not, they're not swinging at it. So, he, he has to get it together as well to prevent those late-inning uh, implosions, much like we saw today with Davis. So, Any thoughts on any of the dishonorables? So on, on Martin Perez, um, it's kind of interesting to see the difference between how he responded to being moved to the bullpen and how Garrett Richards has. Um, and I actually thought Garrett Richards would be the one that would tank in the bullpen. Cause I didn't think that his mentality that he could handle it. Um, he, he seems like a guy that just, as soon as one thing goes wrong, it's just, you know, he spirals. Um, but he's picked it up and I think he's now, I I'm sure he's still not thrilled about being in the bullpen. I mean, I, I can't blame him. Uh, guy wants to be a starting pitcher. So, you know, and for him, it's, I really don't think it's about the contract or the money. I think he just views himself as a starting pitcher and that's it. Um, but he's picked it up and he's done a great job out of the bullpen while Martin Perez and Terry, you brought it up before he gives up on himself very easily. And it looks like he's kind of done that again, going to the bullpen. He just goes, Oh, okay. I guess I'm just not good enough. And, uh, his performance reflects it. So it's disappointing because if he could have responded the same way that Richards did, then all of a sudden your bullpen is looking pretty, pretty good. You know, not, not as bad as we thought especially with Darwin's in and, you know, Ryan Brazier as much as I'm not a fan of him, but Ryan Brazier is an upgrade over someone like Hansel Robles. So if those guys were to come back and Perez and Richards were both firing out of the bullpen, then all of a sudden it's, it doesn't look that bad, but Perez just kind of, he's just uh, he's just dead weight out there and it's, it's disappointing. It really is. So to your point, I didn't think that it was going to be Garrett Richards that did better between Martin Perez and him. I, I actually didn't have much hope for either one, to be honest. But between the two, I really thought my dud on the year was going to do it and just really look bad, worse than some of the relievers that we have. What has uh, what has Xander? Good God, probably do better than uh, Martin Perez. What has Garrett Richards done as a member of the non-rotation? He has pitched in five or six games, six games, I believe now, 10 and a third innings pitched, three walks, 12 strikeouts, one run on seven hits. His wor- his like worst real performance was against, um, I think, the Baltimore Orioles. He had four hits allowed, and since then he's allowed one run on three hits. He didn't allow a base hit against New York, and he came out four innings, struck out five. That was the last pitching line I thought that Garrett Richards was going to have. He's doing his best Garrett Whitlock impression of coming out there for more than an inning, doing his best to minimize damage, slash not even allow any damage, and 
I'm shocked that I'm actually saying something nice about <laughs> him, to be completely honest. His last start before getting demoted, he actually wasn't that bad in that start. And I want to say the start before that wasn't terrible either. I, I think he kind of walked the tightrope a little bit, but... I just saw enough there that I thought he would be viable in some role. Did I think he was going to potentially be a, an everyday seventh or eighth inning guy? No, absolutely not. But, but he's, he's risen to the occasion. And Jason, you're saying he, he's not thrilled with it. When he came out of the game on Saturday, he was getting high fives from everyone. And you could just tell that at least for that night, he was, he was really feeling it. So so hopefully he kind of embraces it going forward. He's 32, 33 years old, something like that, maybe even 34. So at this point in his career, he, he's just hoping to stay relevant in some way to, to get the contract for the next year and the year after. We're going to be getting into him a little bit more in the next episode, which is totally legit or calling the cops. So... Stay tuned. That's going to be a fun episode with some of the some of the topics I, I have lined up. So that one will be released 24 hours after this one. I guess that will about do it. So we'll move on to the Tampa Red Sox series here. We don't have pitching matchups for Tuesday. Neither team has announced a starter. So we got Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday though. So we'll just kind of We'll just kind of go by uh, those matchups. Monday, and I think they're all seven. Yeah, they're all seven ten starts, which I like. I'm a primetime guy. So Monday night, seven ten at the Trop. Nick Pavetta versus Luis Patino. The good news is very recently we put up four runs on Patino. The bad news is... Nick Pavetta has sucked in his last two. Four innings pitched in his last outing, only one and two-thirds in his outing before that. That was against the Yankees who thumped him. So so the Rays are catching Pavetta at just the right time. And uh, I'm just going to say right away, this game's a loss. But how, how do you guys see it? I agree. Yeah, I, I think Tampa's catching Pavetta at a bad time. He's going through a slide right now. Um I think that we were in a way maybe kind of lucky to get as much out of Pavetta as we did for the majority of this season. Um, and I, I still think that he might have some good starts left in him, but this Tampa team just doesn't effing lose. They just never seem to lose. And I just think that they're going to see a guy like Pavetta. They've seen him before. They know what to expect. Um, and unless Pavetta is on his A game, which he hasn't been lately, it's it's a loss. So I I, I think that's a loss. I, I agree. Um, <clears throat> Pavetta and Luis Patino are, are two of the folks that have pretty similar numbers, but because uh, according to ESPN, sales pitching both Tuesday and Wednesday night, which I don't see happening, uh, I think we're going to lose this series. We're going to be lucky if we can salvage a split, but it's going to be a really daunting task to face the next 13 opponents as far as games go because you've got Tampa for four, you get Cleveland again for three, Tampa again for three, and then Chicago for three more. Ouch. That hurts. You need to go 500 in these series, and I don't see it happening. So, Pavetta against Patino, not fun. And Terry, you already said it. I think just passing the eye test, Patino's going to give you six. Pavetta... I don't even know with Ploiecki if you're going to get five, to be honest. And this is, you know, this is cute. This has been a fun little streak where we've uh, we've been able to win a couple games. But I think we need to temper expectations. We were able to take two out of three twice. I think it's about to get ugly again. It could be back to reality, uh, you know, based on what we saw for the first three weeks of August. It should also be pointed out we're not going to have Kike Hernandez. We're not going to have Christian Arroyo. We don't know when Hunter Renfro is coming back. I, I'd be surprised if it's not within the next day or two. But um, his father, tr unfortunately, passed away after a four-year cancer battle. 
and if you want to look it up, Pavetta had a uh, excuse me, uh, Renfro had a nice little tribute uh, for his father, and and his uh, obituary that was posted was very nice as well. So really unfortunate that Renfro lost his father, who was only fifty-seven years old, by the way. So, um, but his funeral I think happened yesterday. So, uh, I mean, if he he might miss another game or two, but I, I don't think he'll miss the whole series. Let's put it that way. So, it's three guys you absolutely need in your lineup, and we're not going to have them. And Duran shows flashes, but he just hasn't had that breakthrough series yet. So we'll see. I'm 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 a bit of a Duran apologist for now. Anyway, game two. Uh, TBD versus TBD. I'm going to take Tampa in a TBD versus TBD every time because they've got the bullpen and we can't win bullpen games. We're off balance the whole time. And it's, uh, it's like we're playing Marco Polo out there, you know, with our eyes closed. We just can't, we just can't hit. So I have a question. Yeah. How bad, how bad, how much faith do you have in a team if you have a TBD, TBD, and we automatically <laughs> yeah. are going opposing team? Like, I don't want to be the one that everyone's like, geez, here we go. Here's the negative Nancy again, because there's been a few of those on Twitter recently. Although, I'll say this much, the last couple of days, I haven't been as vocal and I haven't gotten as many uh, DMs, which is sad because I feel lonely when I don't get so, some hate. Uh, but... As soon as I saw, you know, Sale pitching twice, I'm like, well, he's not pitching, and, well, you don't have a twin Sale. Uh, who do you have, and who could they potentially have? Thank God it's not McClanahan game, too. Unfortunately, this is the weekend we still have to face him, though. We face him twice, this series and the next one. Yeah, I, I have no problem being the negative Nancy. Um, you should not have a TBD game against a division rival who you are now chasing because you pissed away the lead earlier uh, a couple weeks ago. So that's not good enough. And in terms of who it's going to be, like if we're going bullpen versus bullpen, you're looking at like Martin Perez for us. Great. That'll be fun against, you know, what Tampa's going to throw out there, which is like that Rasmussen kid who shut us down before our old friend, Colin McHugh, we'll probably get in there um, and he'll kick our ass. Cause that's karma. Um, the, Tampa just has better arms. So if it really does come down to just Tuesday's going to be a bullpen game between the two, Tampa's got more bullets. So, yeah, chalk that one up for a loss. Tampa Bay is also the new New York Yankees over the last two weeks. They haven't lost. They've won seven in a row. Like the Yankees won, I think it was 11 straight or 12 straight, and then they lost. Um, and they've got a sizable lead. Tampa Bay is just – you can't even see them. You need binoculars to see where they are in first place. Uh, th we're not catching it. And I remember twice this year I said, oh, well, there goes the first place lead, and we're not gonna, this is going to be the closest we could come to second place. And it got closer, and then reality kicked in, and we all were left with our pants down, which isn't a fun feeling. Um, so Rasmussen actually, uh, he's pitching in this series too. Yeah, get, he actually, that's the Wednesday game. Yeah. And I think that's the only one that all three of us can say confidently is going to go the Red Sox way. If we're being hopeful. I don't come, know. Come on. We got to give Sale. I, I, I can't go against Chris Sale, but you guys already know this. You know how I feel about Chris Sale. I won't go against him. This is his first real test. He's had three, I'll say two and a half cupcakes. This is going to be his first real one. The, all three were last place teams that he's faced in their respective divisions. So. That's that's the thing. That's the thing. I, I, I talked about it last time. I said, yep, it, all you people throwing the Chris Sale parade, he faced a bunch of bums. Now he's facing a first-place team. Um, I Sorry, I'm, I'm giving that one a loss. I just I, And I don't think that Chris Sale is going to get, like, shelled, okay? I just think that he's probably going to have a few more hiccups than he's had. He might give up, like, three runs, maybe four. And I just don't trust this Red Sox offense to uh, come back. So, sorry, I'm giving that one a loss. He might not get shelled, but he might get slapped around a little bit. And I, has he gone more than five innings? I, I don't think he has yet. 
And yeah. so then you're relying on a bullpen that you have some severe trust issues with. And that's game three. I have a feeling Garrett Richards is going to start that, that TBD game. It, it makes the most sense based on what you're seeing out of Perez. So, so if Richards is going to go three, four, five innings on Tuesday, not going to be available to come try to bail out Chris Sale. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to say it's a loss. Okay. So, (laughs) all right, pause, pause. Pavetta, loss. TBD, loss. Chris Dale, loss. You guys think that there's a chance that we're going to beat McClanahan? That means you guys think we're going to get swept. Is that uh, the E-Rod game? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, That's that's, that's exactly what's going to happen. I think we win one. I think we win one. I think we go one and three in this in this four game set. We blow up Tampa Bay's little win streak. Come on, Terry, please give me one. We're getting swept. I, I think man. I think Rodriguez <laughs> is going to get slapped as well by that team in the trop. I don't think he pitches very well. I don't have those, his numbers for that stadium up, but I think the Red Sox are getting swept. I think it's back to reality. We're playing a first place team. We're, we're, we might be playing the eventual World Series champions here, if if we're being completely honest. It's fair, and I, I yeah, I agree. I just I don't trust Eduardo Rodriguez in the trop. Um, I don't think historically he pitches very well there. And you're going up against this McClanahan kid. He's just going to shove the baseball up your ass, and it's just <laughs> that's it. This lineup's not going to do anything against him. So especially if Xander Bogarts is still sleepwalking his way through the rest of the season. So yeah, it's a sweep. I'm I'm offended. Suddenly, I'm hurt. Like I, I'm actually really bothered right now because this is the person I was. You know, this is one of the questions that I was asked a couple of weeks. I'm not really offended. Uh, it takes a lot more for me to get offended, but this was one of the questions that I was asked. What would it take the Red Sox? What are they going to have to do in order for them to make the playoffs? And and I'm and I'm gonna be one of the first ones to say I don't think it's happening. I re- I really don't. Terry and I have been pretty aligned. This is one of the first times we're not aligned on a record, a certain series, a certain player. Chris Sale had to do well from here on to the rest of the season. Like wins, quality starts, not giving up stupid hits, stupid games. And yes, he's had some cupcake opponents. Yes, they've been the last teams in their division. If Chris Sale can beat Tampa Bay in this series, will you both publicly next Sunday admit that you were wrong when he wins his performance? Because I really hope I don't have to post something publicly saying, damn, I was wrong again for 2021. I know Jason's going to have something to counter here. Jason, I, I go. <laughs> so I... I will apologize if they win because of Chris Sale. If they win nine to seven when Chris Sale's well out of the game, then it doesn't count. So whatever. But if they win like three nothing and Chris Sale gives you six shutout innings as a result of that, fine. Yeah, I'll I'll give you a tepid apology, but I will give an apology, but only if they win because of him. I'm uh, pulling up some stats right now, which I should have. I think Tampa is one of the better lefty-hitting teams. Well, not not as great as uh, I thought there. Chris Chris Sale at Tropicana. Ready, kids? 5-3 and three with a 2.01 ERA in 11 games with 10 started. He does have a shutout there. He has 108 strikeouts and 71 and two thirds with only seven home runs given. I feel really good about this game. I feel so good about this game. So good. We're going, we're winning this game. The Rays actually rank eighth overall against lefty. So not, not too bad. They're, you know, they're in the top half of teams that hit well against lefties, but 
I just feel like this is the best offensive team that Chris Sale will have faced, and I just don't think he's all the way back yet. I I just uh, this is part of the recovery. I, I feel like, and he needs to he needs to be getting guys out on more than just a slider, really. And once he does that, then I'll feel a lot better. But but so Jason and I have the sweep for the Rays four games to nothing Red Sox will lose all four Charlie is giving them game three so we'll see I mean there could be an offensive explosion in any of those games and and maybe that's how the Red Sox do it but we will be back 24 hours from now to do totally legit or calling the cops one of the more fun episodes we do during the month we do it twice a month so Tune in for that. Everybody have a good start to your work week. Take care.